hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of God's Little Hummingbird, the podcast where we are reading through the Bible from the beginning to the end using the original languages as a guide. Today we are in Leviticus chapter 22, and we are reading from the New King James Version Bible. So Father God, please open our eyes and hearts to your truth and only your truth. Then Yahweh spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons that they separate themselves from the holy things of the children of Israel, so that they keep themselves apart from, okay? And that they do not profane my holy name by what they dedicate to me, I am Yahweh. So the word holy in Hebrew is kadosh, sometimes um, with the vowels that say kodesh, and it means to be separate from, set apart, different from. So it's to not just be mundane in the everyday, it's holy, it's separate, it's extraordinary. Say to them, whoever of all your descendants throughout your generations who goes near the holy things which the children of Israel dedicate to Yahweh while he has uncleanness upon him or defilement, that person shall be cut off from my presence. I am Yahweh. So if you just treat it disdainfully and, for example, you had relations with your spouse that day and then you would go near those holy things since you were still unclean until evening at sunset, then you would be cut off from his presence. You are in trouble because you were not treating his things as sacred. And one of the problems with modern uh, people in religion is that they've made, they've taken the holy away from God. They've taken away all reverence. They have removed that pathway to repentance by saying we no longer have to obey the law, which is a huge lie we've already seen through this podcast. But they've also just made it where they forget to teach us the reverence and fear of God because the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom and I see very few people fear God. And as we pointed out the last podcast, even Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament in the book of Acts were struck dead simply for lying about the money which they procured from their land deal. They weren't honest about it and they were struck dead for something that's not even that big of a sin. I mean, yes, it's wrong, but I'm saying if God judges those types of actions in such a severe way after Jesus died and rose from the dead, you know, how much more to treat him as contemptible and base and to dishonor him in his ways? And no, he doesn't strike everyone dead right away. I'm not saying that he does that. He never has. We see in scripture all throughout that he was merciful and he showed grace to Noah. It says in Genesis chapter 8, he had grace and mercy from the beginning. That's why we are still alive and that's why he sent the Savior to save us. But we no longer have reverence. Children are allowed to dishonor their parents and speak against them and to... Um, sass them and not they're not punished they're not disciplined there's no spanking there's no slapping there's no retribution there's no payment back there's no punishment to correct that bad behavior and children were made to be exalted recently in the last I don't know 40 years in American history and it's not okay and the Bible talks about that as a judgment coming to the people when they they raise up the base and the children above the elders and the children don't respect their elders anymore and they they don't even respect the priests. It talks about that throughout the um, prophets. And that's a bad thing. It's not good we haven't progressed, we're regressing. And so these people who think we've been enlightened and now we're giving these children these choices and we just put them in time out or we, we, we give them these options and we just let them throw these temper tantrums and think that that's okay and that's because they're children, that's ridiculous and we are doing them a huge disservice because we are born into sin and we are told to train our children in God's ways. Therefore, when they have an incorrect behavior or attitude, we're supposed to address it 
according to God's laws and rules and teach them his laws and rules and train them in the correct way so they overcome that. That's why they're children. They have childlike behaviors. And so to help them mature, we must teach them how to how to um, overcome those childish behaviors. And one of the things that we need to teach them is how to honor and revere your elders. I have been shocked by the amount of Christians who let their children be disrespectful and disobedient and they coddle their children and condone the behavior. And it's so horrible. It teaches that child to have no respect of elders. And we, are, we already read the verses where it says, rise for the gray-headed. We are to respect the elders, and children are taught to respect their elders. I don't care if it's not the parents. The Bible doesn't say only do it for your parents. It says do it for all elders. And I physically know, um, I, you know, there, there was a family once where I was teaching them piano lessons, and the child threw such a fit. I, we got through the lesson, and I was very kind. I was a teacher, so I said to the child, okay, because she had, <laughs> she didn't count at all. So we had gone through, let me back up. Okay, so on the preliminary piano lesson, I had taught her the stages. I said, I want you to count out loud, set your rhythm, and go to steady beat. And these are the notes. We went through the notes. I said, practice holding the notes for this amount of time. And so everything that we talked about at the lesson, she didn't do any of it. <laughs> she literally sat down the piano and played it how she wanted to play it. She didn't follow any of the rules that I had said to do, which I knew would make her a better piano player. And therefore, she didn't count out loud. She didn't hold any of the notes for the appropriate amount of time. And therefore, the melody and rhythm was incorrect. So I said, okay, sweetie. I said, so I said, what we're going to do is we're going to practice it again next week. And here's the things I need you to focus on. And because I didn't tell her a good job, because she didn't do a good job. She wanted that prize for which she hadn't earned it. Remember, Jesus doesn't give out a prize at the end <laughs> to those who don't deserve it. The well done and good and faithful servant, you have to be a good and faithful servant. Anyway, so she hadn't done well. She literally got up. She started crying and bawling, pushed me. I tried to comfort her, and I said, oh, sweetie, I'm not mad at you. I said, this is what my piano teacher, how, how every piano student is taught. When we don't do it correct, we just do it again until we get it correct. We learn because our whole goal is to learn. She physically pushed me, ran to her mom. Her mom gave me a dirty look, held her daughter, and said, well, you understand what it feels like which I don't <laughs> because I'm the, I was never that type of person. And so when my piano teacher, if I messed up a section and she would have me redo it for the next week, I remember focusing very hard on those things that she taught me. And I guess my point in this story is that child had no respect for me. She pushed me. She disobeyed me. She didn't talk to me. She, her mother, and her mother coddled her. Rather than saying, no, 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 you speak to that elder, that adult who's talking to you. You talk to that person who's addressing you. She's trying to help you. She wasn't taught that. And that's what I see in the churches because that was even a messianic couple. And that's what I see in our children today. And it's disgusting, people. I mean, I was a teacher. I taught first grade, second grade, sixth grade, and I taught college. <laughs> and I know that the children have gotten more and more and more disrespectful. And it does not progression. It is not progression. It does not teach them a good thing because they don't then have any fear of God. If you aren't taught to respect your elders, if you aren't taught to respect um, those who are in charge and those who are above you age-wise in the ministry, you know, if you aren't taught to, re to respect the Levitical priesthood as we're told to do, um, it literally even says don't speak contemptible to the priest. Like you're supposed to honor the priest. <laughs> um it's a bad thing. It, it, look at the whole Karah rebellion. They spoke against Moses and Aaron and they got cut off because 
God had anointed Moses and Aaron to speak the truth, and they spoke against them. And so it's not okay to not teach reverence and respect. In fact, we're not supposed to speak against the leaders put in power. Paul says in his letters in the New Testament that those people are like beasts. They're like vile. They they speak and they revile in a foolish manner, right? They don't even understand what they're doing. They said even the archangel Michael didn't rebuke Satan when they were arguing for the body of Moses. He said he left that to Yahweh. He said, Yahweh rebuke you. So we have in America become so arrogant and we have lost that respect and reverence that we need to fervently pray that we get that fear back and we need to instill in our children. Do not coddle their disrespectful or irreverent behaviors. It is not appropriate or okay and it does not lead them closer to God. So we need to get back to the place where we teach them to fear adults. (laughs) I was taught that if I see an adult in public that I knew, and if I didn't greet that person and they heard about it, I would be severely punished. My principal was told to spank me (laughs) if I got out of line and they would spank me again at home. I was told to respect my teachers. And if I was disrespectful, I was going to be punished. And the thing is, I knew it was real. I knew it wasn't going to be some stupid timeout pretend punishment. It was going to be a real punishment. And it taught me fear. And that's what God's laws do. It says, enact these laws, and we're going to get to those verses, but it says that they may learn to fear and obey. So teach your children to have reverence for adults. Reverence for the Levitical priesthood, not the Catholic priesthood, not these weird Methodist priests, not these weird things like that. The true Levitical priesthood. Teach them to have reverence for the people anointed by God who are not in these religious named group systems. I'm not saying to to reverence the false things. But teach them this reverence. Respect. It doesn't mean worship. It means respect. Because in turn, it teaches us then to revere and worship God. It teaches us the hierarchy of humility and accepting our place and position. So, do your children a favor. Okay, that is just my little rant for a while, but I just see it digressing worse and worse and worse. And so... We just need to, we as God's people need to turn this thing around. Okay. Verse, um, okay, so we already read verse three, verse four. Whatever man of the descendants of Aaron who is a leper or has a discharge shall not eat the holy offerings until he is clean. And whoever touches anything made unclean by a corpse or a man who has had an emission of semen, if you had relations with your wife, or whoever touches any creeping thing by which he would be made unclean, or any person by whom he would become unclean, whatever his uncleanness may be, the person who has touched any such thing shall be unclean until evening and shall not eat the holy offerings unless he washes his body with water. Okay, we've talked about the symbolism. We're told in Ephesians 4, the water symbolizes the word of God. We're made holy, clean, and pure. And it's a transitional state. He gets baptized. That's what this is a picture of. Baptism wasn't a new thing with John the Baptist. Remember, baptism was a change of state from clean, unclean to clean. And so you used water to do that. And they would bathe in water. They would baptize. They would mikvah, so to speak. And so if you if you were a priest, you have to be very, very careful not to commit these sins. You can't do this un, these unclean acts and then go in the presence of God. You need to refrain from entering his presence until you're again clean. And when the sun goes down, he shall be clean. And afterward, he may eat the holy offerings because it is his food. So whatever dies naturally or is torn by beasts, he shall not eat to defile himself with it. I am Yahweh. They shall therefore keep my ordinance, lest they bear sin for it and die thereby. If they profane it, I, Yahweh, sanctify them. So he said, you could die if you do these sins. Don't. 
No outsider shall eat the holy offering. One who dwells with the priest or a hired servant shall not eat the holy thing. So you, the priest has a special place. But if the priest buys a person with his money, he may eat it, and one who is born in his house may eat his food. Because if you buy somebody, they become basically your a member of your clan, and your children could eat of it because they were your blood Levite clan, and they are taken care of. You don't have a portion. If the priest's daughter is married to an outsider, she may not eat of the holy things, because if she didn't marry a Levite, then she's no longer provided for from the Levitical offerings. She then is provided for from her husband's inheritance. But if the priest's daughter is a widow or divorced and has no child and has returned to her father's house, as in her youth, she may eat her father's food, but no outsider shall eat it. Do you understand? Because these portions that are set aside are for the tribe of Levi, who is chosen by God and set aside for God to conduct his ceremonies, his offerings, his purpose, that the firstborn of all Israel might not be taken. He took the Levites instead. If you remember all these things we've read and put them together now. And if a man eats the holy offering unintentionally, then he shall restore a holy offering to the priest and add one-fifth to it. They shall not profane the holy offerings of the children of Israel, which they offer to Yahweh, or allow them to bear the guilt of trespass when they eat their holy offerings, for I, Yahweh, sanctify them. Now I want to point out, when David and his men were fleeing from Saul, he stopped at the priest at where the showbread was, and his men and he were hungry, and all the priest had was the showbread. And the priest gave it to him. And David had specifically said, my men have kept themselves for women for three days. Meaning he knew they were at least ritually clean. They hadn't had sex. They hadn't done sexual relations in a way that would make them unclean. So he said, look, we know we're not supposed to eat this, but we're hungry. And that is the spirit of the law, people. That's where Yeshua was explaining. He said, do not see what David did. He did that which was unlawful, yet it was okay. And so... God didn't write that law so that other people would starve, right? So David and his men would starve that day. But David, did you notice that David was still, still reverent of certain things of it? He said, we're not unclean. At least give us that because he understood God's heart. He understood that he was anointed of God and they were running from Saul and that God would provide for him. And even though it was only right for the priest to eat of it, at that moment in time, it was okay for him and his men to eat of it, but it wouldn't have been okay if they had been careless in their actions and were not at least considerate of some of the law. So that's what I want to point out. It's never okay to eat pig or people or horse or cow. So God doesn't say if you're starving, go ahead and eat that which is not food, right? You're not going to do that. But do you notice he made provision with actual food? Remember, people aren't food. Dogs aren't food. Cows aren't food in God's eyes. That's just for us, right? That's, I'm sorry, cows are, not cows, pigs, I meant. Um, and so... That's not it. But here's another example. When you're out in the cold, where you know a man is not to wear garments pertaining to a woman or vice versa, right? A woman's not to wear a man's garments. That means not to cross dress and not to pretend that you're a man and not to act like a woman. Well, if you're out in the woods and you're star if you're freezing to death because your vehicle broke down and all you have is a man's coat in your truck, do you understand that by the God's not saying for that situation? He wasn't saying that a woman has to then die of freezing because all she had was a man's coat in her truck. Maybe it was her husband's truck she drove that day. No, no. He understands that point. You're not trying to cross-dress. You are staying warm. There's a situation. And just like in this situation, the bread that was made for the priest, for the showbread, David needed. He, his men were hungry. They were doing God's will. And it was an, it was a situation where... 
the priest and David both knew the heart of God. It's not that David would starve, and so they understood that it was okay. It was the spirit of the law. Yes, that was the priest's portion, but the priest at that point was giving it to those in need. So I hope that makes sense. But they still had to meet certain requirements. They couldn't have been near women. So that's what Yeshua is often talking about and explaining, that we can live so much by the letter of the law that certain people would have let David and his men die that day or starve to death. Whereas the understanding was, no, no, they had no option. They're fleeing for their lives. Now, there is a different option. Let's say somebody is breaking Sabbath and wants to do build a fence. And they ask you for help because that's their only day off. That is actually your a sin to you if you condone that behavior because you're not helping them because you didn't, first of all, help them to understand the, the reverence and the fear of God by obeying his laws. You, don't under, you didn't convey to them the importance of that law. And you didn't show them that there's a way to make it to obey God because they can find another day. They could have found another day of the week because their work should not come before God. And so that is not what God's talking about. And that doesn't actually help them because all it taught them was, well, you believe one way, they believe a different way, but no matter what, it all works out in the end. That teaches them that they don't have to worry about obeying it because it was okay for you to break God's law. And it wasn't an emergency, right? It's, it's a whole different story. Let's say, let's say there is an emergency and let's say somebody um, was out, gosh, they, maybe they were um, out walking in their pasture and they fell in a hole <laughs> It's okay to help them out of that hole, even though it's, quote, work. Like, you're just going to leave them start. Well, it's Sabbath. I'm not going to help you out. But it's a different thing if that person was on the way to work, and they want you to help them fix their vehicle. No, no, no. I can't. You could pick them up and take them back home, but you can't help them to sin. And I hope that makes sense. And if you have the Spirit of God in you, He will speak these words to you. He will confirm this truth to you, and I'm fully convinced of that. But I, and I hope that makes sense. Okay. Um, let's verse 17 and Yahweh spoke to Moses saying speak to Aaron and his sons and to all the children of Israel and say to them whatever man of the house of Israel or of the strangers or Gentiles in Israel who offers his sacrifice for any of his vows or for any of his free will offerings which they offer to Yahweh as a burnt offering you shall offer of your own free will a male without blemish from the cattle from the sheep or with goats or, or from the goat, sorry. So it has to be without blemish. You can't give God just like the leftovers. You have to give him the best. Whatever has a defect, you shall not offer, for it shall not be acceptable on your behalf. God needs your heart, and he needs it to be pure. Give him the best. And whoever offers a sacrifice of a peace offering to Yahweh to fulfill his vow, or a free will offering from the cattle or the sheep, it must be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no defect in it. Those that are blind or broken or maimed or have an ulcer or eczema or scabs, you shall not offer to Yahweh, nor make an offering by fire to them on the altar to Yahweh. Either a bull or a lamb that has any limb too long or too short, you shall you may offer as a free will offering, but for a vow it shall not be accepted. You shall not offer to Yahweh what is bruised or crushed or torn or cut, nor shall you make any offering of them in your land. Nor from a foreigner's hand shall you offer any of these as the bread of your Elohim, because their corruption is in them and defects are in them. Remember, God allows these defects and things to teach us things, to show us things. He allowed it. So we can't give him that which is defected. We're supposed to give him the best. They shall not be accepted on your behalf. Thus, And Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, When a bull or a sheep or a goat is born, it shall be seven days with its mother, and from the eighth day and thereafter it shall be accepted as an offering made by fire to Yahweh. So interesting, they have to get that colostrum and everything, and whatever it is that you know gets that body healthy, and then, then they can be 
sacrificed to Yahweh or butchered, you know, and then eaten. And so I think that's interesting. Eighth day is also the day that the males are circumcised. So there's a day, something happens in our bodies on the eighth day. There's a com- seven days of completion and the eighth day is a new beginning. Remember, it's eternity begins, it's the new beginning. And so on this eighth day of the cow's life, perhaps the the blood cells, everything formed in a way that is okay for us to, you know, as humans to eat, to ingest. Perhaps the mother has released her colostrum in a way that wouldn't hurt her body. Um, for the male circumcision, we know those blood clotting factors that actually that day it's the safe day to do it. They've done studies on it. I mean, not that God needs science to prove him, but my point is they've done studies on it. So whether it is a cow or you, do not kill both her and her young on the same day. So the other thing is don't do both of them on the same day. Now that one, I honestly don't know why. Um, for some reason God said it and I'm just going to obey because he's smarter than me. His ways are higher than me. But you're not supposed to kill the mother and her child on the same day. And I don't know if that's because the one is suffering in anguish because the other one is separated from them. So if you take the child, of course, if you've been around cattle, they they <laughs> like moo all day long trying to find that child. And so perhaps there's a chemical going on in the body that makes that you know, the stress levels are too high. And the same thing with the baby, if you take the mama, because the baby's going to be calling out. If you hear babies when they're, they're weaned, oh my gosh, they cry all day long looking for that mama. They want the milk. Um, and so perhaps it's a chemical thing that's just unsafe for us, or maybe there's something that we're just not seeing right now. And if you do see the picture, please share with me. I'd love to see it. And when you offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving to Yahweh, offer it of your own free will. Own free will. Don't feel compelled. You must do it with a willing heart. On the same day, it shall be eaten. You shall leave none of it until morning. I am Yahweh. Therefore, because you can't store up Thanksgiving. Every day, you just need to give thanks to God. That's what that's a picture of. On the same day, it shall be eaten. You shall leave none of it until morning. I am Yahweh. Therefore, you shall keep my commandments and perform them. I am Yahweh. You shall not profane my holy name, for I will be hallowed among the children of Israel. I am Yahweh who sanctifies you. So hallowed, he's going to be treated as holy. I am Yahweh who sanctifies you, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am Yahweh. So he literally saves us from Egypt so he can be our God. Therefore, let's be thankful, show him reverence, show him respect. And if you don't have that fear of God, which I'm 99% of Americans don't anymore, let's pray for that fear of God where we are humble before him and truly revere his name. Everyone be blessed.